Let me tell you about a shoe. Bless you. No, it's Schmanners. Hello, Internet, and Pittsburgh. When I started to say the name of the city for a second, nothing came to mind. And I almost said another word. I don't know what that other word would have been, but anyways, here we are. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. They do that on purpose, you know. I know. And you're listening to and watching Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. Hello, my dove. Hello, dear. How are you? My feet hurt. I'm pregnant, so everything hurts. Yeah. <laughs> there are some people here that are really excited that you're pregnant. What do you know? Let them be excited. They don't know. I'm a little sleepy because our, our darling, darling, beautiful child today decided she did not want a nap. Mm. And in turn, also did not want me to. <laughs> yeah. And she just wanted me to keep my eyes open and look at her. And finally I said, hey, daddy's gonna sleep for like 40 minutes. Please let him sleep. And then she did. And then I woke up and she was still there, fine. <laughs> but then I had the thought, what have you been doing for the last 40 minutes? <laughs> No idea. So this episode tonight, uh, I, I wanted to learn about, so I asked my wife to research, the history of high heels. Gave me a job to do. Yes, uh, because I am a recent new high heel wearer. Um, now, I would argue that you have been wearing cowboy boots for several years, maybe a decade, and those are high heels. I mean... Yeah. They're not But flats. I think you'd be hard-pressed if you said nice heels to somebody in cowboy boots that they would know what you meant. They're still heels. They're I not mean, flats. Yeah. I get what... You're right. You're technically correct. I which am. is the best kind of correct. Yes. But we all understand that they're not normally referred to as heels. Okay. Maybe. Are we going to talk about this in the car? I think we are. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, that was it, folks, the end of the podcast. Um, but so I'm, okay, we've done a lot. This is like part of our like accessory series, right? And I'm going to bet that heels is something that falls into like we've been doing it for a way long time. Absolutely. Right? Like mm -hmm. I don't, I'm not thinking BC, 
but I'm not not thinking BCE. Um, evidence of heels before BCE are really like probably non-existent, but, but ancient Greeks, um, also ancient uh, Egyptians, also the ancient Japanese. So okay, so it, long, it, long, long, long time, ago. Okay. A long time. So okay, like a lot of things uh, that that become popular in fashion, like makeup, uh -huh. like wigs. Uh huh. It was a male thing. Okay. Started out. I'm you. You look incredulous. No, no, I, I already knew that. Oh, okay. Sorry, that was my uh-huh face. I see. I don't get to use it a lot. <laughs> I see. Um, so then let, let's break it down into the, the different kind of styles of heel because it also corresponds throughout history. Okay, cowboy boot. No. Ah. I mean, not yet. Not yet. All the okay. You're getting ahead of me. Please <laughs> let me talk about my timeline. Okay. Um, so the first recorded uh, records. <laughs> sorry for the redundancy. Um, of elevated shoes belongs to ancient Grecian actors. So these were known as Cothorni. Okay. Cothorni. Yeah, I said okay. that right. I understand why they're not called that anymore. Um, and basically, these were shoes made with wooden or cork bases that could be up to four inches tall, four inches thick, and basically, it was part of the costume. It let the audience know the status of the character. So okay. the higher the shoes, the higher the status. So like very literal, very Absolutely. like, much like cats. <laughs> the higher the cat, the better the cat. That's just true of cat psychology. That is a thing. I'm not making that up. It's not like I, Travis McRae, think, ooh, that cat's way up there. Nice. I'm unfamiliar with the cat thing. I mean, what? I, That's why you get cat trees with but, different levels. So it's like, hey, cat, you're there. That's why there's the phrase top cat and a cartoon, because he's the top cat. Because the higher the cat, the better the cat. That's just science. Like catnip? No, not like catnip, not a drugged cat. I mean, physically, vertically higher. A cat on the plane is the best cat. Cats do not like being on airplanes. No, because it's too much power. <laughs> anyway, what was I talking about? Shoes, <laughs> not cats. Um, so... Cat, cats and shoes. Hmm. Could make a good story. Stop. <sighs> I spoke about the ancient Greeks. Next are the ancient Egyptians. They wore elevated shoes as well, but probably not, again, for everyday use. Mostly for religious ceremonies and in, you know, different kind of murals and such. Um, we're not exactly sure why. Couldn't ask them. So... Uh, probably, Not yet. Probably Time again travel. has something to do with being higher, being closer to the gods, in that sort of idea. Um, so, how did the the high heeled or the platform shoe at this point? 
the platform shoe get into our everyday kind of spaces. Uh, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Samelhack, who is the curator of the Beta Shoe Museum in Canada, which by the way, uh, looks like a shoebox. Don't most buildings look like shoeboxes and you think about it? Yes, but this one on purpose. Oh, okay. Um, her theory is that Persian riding shoes were what got the high heel from ceremony to the streets, which is why cowboy boots make a lot of sense as high-heeled shoes because the space between the sole and the heel helps keep your foot in the stirrups. Okay. Yeah, burn. I have to do a lot more show tonight, and now I'm devastated. <laughs> I don't know how I'm gonna move forward. You know what, the rest of the show's canceled. <laughs> it's Teresa's fault, okay. So these Persian riding shoes um, were made in order to, like I said, help keep the foot in the stirrup. Also, uh, help one to stand up on the horse so you can shoot more accurately. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't know why I disagree. Like, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, of course. Yes, mm -hmm. makes sense. Uh, yes, Have totally. you ridden a horse and shot a bow and arrow? Not at the same time yet. Yet. Still want to get good. <laughs> okay. I, I don't want my first time doing either to be at the same time. <laughs> that feels like hubris. Got it. Also, um, the horse would see me coming and be like, "Ooh, could we not?" Ah. <laughs> Uh, like a lot of things that the Persian di Persians did at the time, they were uh, very fancy shoes. They were blinged out. Um, they were often made of luxurious materials. They were bright colors and designs. You could really like, they were eye-catching fashion pieces. Um, and so when the, the Shah came to touring Europe in the 1500s, um, not only were they like, Hey, this you're a really cool dude. Dang, look at those shoes. Yeah. And so everybody wanted them. Um, and at that point, European heels became status for royalty um, because you pretty much had to get them custom made. The materials weren't very sturdy. I mean, if you're talking about a wooden shoe, it's not gonna last a super long time. Not very practical. Yeah. Um, and the uppers of the shoe usually had to be made from things like silk um, or, or animal hide, which I think you could probably sweat through really easily. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Trust but, me. Oh, so, but if we're going to talk about the European style, we have to talk about the Sun King, Louis the Sixteenth. Yeah, I assumed so. That fool loved heels. Loved them. Did he? Yeah. Okay. I figured I could go either way. If you were bringing him up, he probably didn't have okay feelings about them one way or the other. Uh, so he only stood 5'4", um, which really wasn't that short for the time, but being tall was associated with being dominant. Um, and so in an effort... That's why I'm glad I'm 6'9". Nice. Yes, you are, honey. I'm very tall. You are. Wait, what did you say? 
Um, so he would have up to four inches on his own shoe added. And he even developed a kind of a trademark look, which you can see in a lot of his portraits of the heels are colored red, uh, which supposedly was the inspiration for Louis Vuitton. Uh, when he created his trademark, trademark <laughs> red soles. Okay. I mean, that's pretty okay. fine. I thought you were gonna say like, supposedly because he was walking in the blood of his enemies. No. 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 Um, that's probably what he said though. Everybody wants to dress like the king though, and so it was very popular to paint the heels of your shoes red, but like Louis was like, no, this is my thing. Uh, so he actually outlawed the color for people other than his very close circle. Outlaw, wait, outlawed the color red? On your shoes. Oh, okay. I thought you were just saying like, from now on, red's mine. <laughs> the red shoe is, okay. is his, basically. Okay. So all of this has been about the kind of male domination of this, this uh, fashion statement. Yes, this is what this is the main reason. Like I asked about it as a as a recent uh, wearer of high heels, right? I knew that that was a thing, especially like you know 1600s, 1500s Europe. Why did it go out of fashion for dudes and become predominantly seen as like a female, like woman's fashion? Well, first of all, like everything that's cool, the ladies stole it. And uh, in the 1400s, um, specifically people in Venice, women in Venice, started to wear something called a chopin, uh, which um, is like, it's like the Lady Gaga style, like giant oh. platform heel. Uh, could be up to two feet What? Tall. Those are called stilts. No, no, no. That's a household device to help get things off tall shelves. They, That's a shoe you put on and say, I'm doing nothing else today. Yeah. Well, so they were used in order to keep ladies' uh, other shoes, like the ones made out of silk, out of the, the, the wetness of Venice. Uh -huh. Um, so, I mean, it was basically just like glorified galoshes, right? Oh, two-foot-tall galoshes. Yeah. Um, so then, the thing about these shoes, uh, the Italians were like, these are amazing, we invented them, and then Japan was like, what? We've been doing this forever. You totally stole this idea from us. Um, so, in order to keep very expensive kimonos from getting wet when walking through puddles, um, they would wear something called an akobo, which were solid wooden blocks, like basically like these little, like I mean, stilts, like you said, um, um, usually around seven to ten inches tall. Um, you know, though, even as I'm saying it, high heels are also like little stilts. Yeah. You know, when you think about it, aren't all shoes stilts? <laughs> all shoes stilts. <laughs> but they really didn't become a woman's item, a quote, woman's item, until Catherine de' Medici, when she married the Duke of Orleans. 
Uh, she was 14 years old, which is like a whole other thing that I'm not going to talk about today. But uh, she wore a pair of heels during the ceremony in order to make her look taller, therefore older, therefore... Less weird. Less weird. So this was like a major gender role-bending move uh, for the age. And this was the sort of, like, this was the catalyst that made it so that, oh, look, the queen did this thing, and this is usually for men, and she's very powerful, so I'm going to do it and feel powerful, too. I hope that someday, hundreds, centuries from now, hundreds of years, someone is doing whatever form of podcast exists then, maybe it'll be exactly the same, because it's perfect. <laughs> someone will sit there and go, when did such and such, this huge, huge trend start? Like, well, one day, this one guy named Travis did something, and everybody else was like, we're all going to do that now. That's my dream. That's how I've decided to live the rest of my life. I just need to figure out what it is. So heels for women really just hit like the very tip top in the, like the 1630s because this was a time where women at, in general became fascinated with the androgyny, right? Uh, the idea of smoking pipes and dressing masculine and wearing heels was kind of a, you know, an assertment, you know, yeah. Asserting their their independence and and you know we're gonna we're just as good as men type deal. Yeah, you know what? Preach. Yes. And then people tried to outlaw it. <laughs> huh. Yeah. Uh, so in France, particularly, out, women were uh, were forbade by law from wearing them. Uh, because they were blamed on traffic accidents and miscarriages. Huh. I know, right? I'm no scientist, but no. Probably not. Um, and uh, most Chopins at this time were primarily worn by sex workers so that they could, you could see them above the crowd and pick them up with that one. I mean, that both makes sense and is, for some reason, very funny to me. Yeah. Hey, um, do you think she's just tall, or...? <laughs> um, this really continued throughout the French Revolution, where anything seen as aristocratic was, was bad news, and it was about this kind of new world order. Um, and so people, they fell out of fashion almost completely. Uh, same thing here in the U.S. The Puritans uh, banned heels, saying because that they were... Because they're Puritans and they banned everything. Boo, Puritans. <laughs> they said specifically that they were seductive and instruments of witchcraft. <laughs> eh. I've got some pretty witchy boots. But who do we have to thank for a lot of the things we love today? Those Victorians, they brought them back. Uh, it wasn't 
The focus on the heel, though, the height of the heel was used to create a curvature of the instep. So if you take a look at, that's the top of your No, shoe. I know. Okay. It, if you take a look at a lot of Victorian boots of the era, there's this very exaggerated kind of mound of the instep, and that's all created by the placement of the heel, even though a lot of them are very small. Um, it was synonymous with femininity and refinement and sophistication. So if I'm following this timeline correctly, I'm, I'm actually a little disappointed that it doesn't seem like there was a clear like, and that's why dudes stopped wearing here. It just seems like they fell out of fashion. Mm -hmm. And then when they came back in in fashion. They were for ladies. Like guys just didn't pick it up. Yeah. So it's almost like it makes no sense why anyone would not wear that. Like everybody can wear whatever they want is what I'm saying. Yeah. Because I tell you what, I got, I got some pairs now, and when I put them on, I do go from like 5'10 to like 6'2, and it rules. <laughs> and another addition, walking stick, it's great. <laughs> walking stick and high heels, oh, oh my, bringing it's a, it back. It's a look. Oh, it makes you feel really cool. And um, a smoky eye, oh, look out. And a pet dragon? Okay. No, you don't have a pet dragon. That's the next step. Uh, so those plucky Victorians, not only did they uh, make the instep uh, part of the, the sexiness of the lady, um, they were also the, like, they were prolific with their erotic uh, photography. For a second, were you about to say fan fiction? No. I thought you were going to say, yeah, the Victorians wrote a lot of erotic fan fiction. They probably did. They probably did. Probably did. That's what happens when your society is repressed. Okay, so uh, the modern era of heels really starts uh, after World War II with the invention of the stiletto. Super sexy, right? Um, and we dangerous, mostly. Dangerous. When I think of a stiletto, I just see a weapon. In the right hands. Yeah. My hands. Ooh. Coming this fall, Travis McElroy, sexy assassin. I'd watch that. Right? Uh, they were invented by Roger Vivier for Christian Dior's fashion collections. Um, and it was, like I said, made possible by the war effort um, because there would be no way to support a person's weight on such a small space were it not for steel. Um, they had a steel kind of like inside backbone type deal. Um, whereas if you were to try and make the same shape with like wood or even the early forms of plastic, it would just shatter under your weight. Um, another big historical moment actually came a lot more recently uh, with Sex in the City. Huh. Yeah, they really revived uh, the, the high heel like fashion market. Uh, between the two, I mean eras, you know, uh, high heels were kind of seen You know, as World War II and Sex in the City. Sex in the City. Two of our biggest eras. <laughs> right, neck and neck. 
they were kind of seen as, you know, shoes, you walk around in them. But once they started being featured on television, uh, the fashion behind the shoe really, really blew up. And then that's how we get a lot of these, like I mentioned, like Lady Gaga style shoes, the kind that force you onto a point of your toe. Um, they kind of make you walk with your knees bent. Mm -hmm. um, also crescent heels, if you've seen any of these. So the heel is actually um, supported by, again, steel that's been bowed into a crescent. And this is one of the new things. 3D printed heels are now a thing, do the, too. Do the crescent ones help you jump? No. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> You're so disappointed. I just, I was picturing it of like, oh, those are very fashionable. Oh, no, some kind of bank robbery. Away! <laughs> I was very excited about the very... Maybe I'm I'll have sorry. to invent them. Then maybe will. that'll be my thing. <gasps> Ooh, Travis is making moon shoes a fashion item. Moon. So. Do you have anything in there about like the '70s when people had like goldfish and stuff in their shoes? No, not really. Those poor goldfish. Those poor goldfish, indeed. Um, Let's all take a minute. The '70s. Think about the goldfish. <laughs> The 70s were an era that went back to the platform style, which, like I've told you, is a very old style of shoe. Do you think that that did a lot to inform disco? Because if you think about the movements of disco, it's not a lot of footwork, right? A lot of arms, a lot of arm work, because your feet were probably very heavy. Well, the steps are definitely slower than a lot of other dances, if you think about, like, the hustle, uh -huh. right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I can dig it. Yeah. Um, so I had an quick. insight. Thank you. Real quickly, I'd like to go over some tips and tricks, not only about walking in shoes, but also when to wear them. This is very helpful, by the way. Teresa was my coach as I was wearing high heels for the first time, and I could not have done it without her. <laughs> She also helped me pick them out, too, which was also incredibly helpful, because I kept picking what, what, thankfully, my wife was there to say, you'll die. Uh, <laughs> please do not wear those. And she um, would have been right. So one of the things that you need to do is make sure that you buy the right size shoe. It's important when shopping for heels, especially, because there's going to be a lot of weight on very small points of your foot that you shop for them when you can try them on at the end of the day, after your feet have been walked on all day and, you can, and they're usually a little bigger at the end of the day. Um, and so you'll make sure that you actually have enough room in your shoe. That can prevent things like broken toes and arthritis and cramping in your calves and other places. Um, also, you really, you really shouldn't wear a heel every day, and that heel should really never go over four inches um, unless it has a platform on it, because just like the spine and the way that the human body kind of like walks, which is a miracle anyway, but like it. How it, do we do it? How do we do it? It just creates too much stress on your bones, and um, if you wear one that's over four inches high, those become sitting shoes. 
Um, this is just a tip for me. Um, wear two. Don't just wear one heel and one flat. That will, it will ruin your day. You know what, Travis? There's a rumor that Marilyn Monroe used to shave off like half an inch of one shoe so it would make her wiggle more when she walked. Okay. That seemed wildly uncomfortable. That also sounds like, hey, you know, you could just do it. Just wiggle? Yeah, you could just wear normal shoes and, I don't know, walk however you want. Uh, the other tip that is offered often is the idea of pushing the weight through your pelvis. Um, don't put high heels on your pelvis. No, honey. And keeping your shoulders back because the more that you pitch forward, um, starting at your head, the more likely you are to trip and fall. So you want to push back with your shoulders and push forward with your pelvis so that you can negotiate that. Um, and, last and if you're of about all, to be a first, uh, this is another piece of advice that my wife gave me, which I hope I'm not stealing your last thing, but that is uh, bring flats with you. Yeah. <laughs> um, because you will reach a point where you're like, oh, I've made a terrible mistake. Everything I've done in my life has brought me to this moment. What was I thinking? And then you'll put on like sneakers and you'll be like, I'm free! And, and I told him to make sure that you are really done wearing those heels because you will never get them back on after you put the flats on. And you she can, was right. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the last one is you need to shorten your stride when you use a, a high heel because the longer your stride is, the more pressure gets put on that heel and it's more likely to break. So you want to shorten your stride, take smaller steps, you know, take your time. You look great. Let everybody look at you. Also, just one more time, walking stick. <laughs> it rules. And maybe like some kind of really quick parachute. Okay. Maybe a bungee. That might work better. And a friend you trust. Yeah. Whoa, whoa. thanks, Bill. Now, if I may, I'd like to offer some excellent advice from our, uh, I want to call her our patron saint, uh, Emily Post. She says, uh, it, here are some scenarios that you may encounter that you want to wear heels. And here is her suggestion, suggestions. For a job interview, the suggestion is uh, a shorter heel with a closed toe. Uh, it looks in, in a way more conservative, right? And that's a lot of what people want to present for a job interview. Um, for a wedding, you really want to uh, kind of match it to the wedding's dress code and don't wear white shoes because white is for the bride, apparently, all the time. Yeah, just like red is for Louis. Yes. Yes, you're right. Um, for a funeral, again, conservative shoes are recommended, and red is not a color you want to wear to a funeral in the U.S., as it is seen as celebratory, and one might uh, think you are going to dance on someone's grave. Now, if that is your plan, <laughs> I would also recommend, like, super high, super sharp stilettos if you plan to pick up litter on the beach. 
and you don't want to bend down. You'll get it. Uh, Emily Post also says at the airport, don't wear heels. Uh, but if you, if you do plan to wear heels uh, on your flight, uh, do make sure that your shoes are comfortable and easy to take off for security reasons. And I can't imagine that Emily Post wrote that, probably her grandchildren. And someday I envision some kind of flying metal bird. <laughs> and you would have to go through, I don't know, some kind of doorway that would check to see if you were cursed. Now listen. She did. I don't know when Emily Post lived. <laughs> you do. Is what I'm realizing as I'm saying this out loud. We did a whole thing on Emily Post. Yes, but that, you see, is in my past. Uh-huh. Her book on etiquette was published in 1922, but receives continual updates yes. by the Emily Post Institute. So she didn't write about airports, but somebody did. Yeah. And what's the deal with airline food? All right. So that's going to do it for us, for Schmanners. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, um, thank you to you, Pittsburgh. Um, thank you to Paul, our, our tour manager. Uh, thank you to MaximumFun.org, our podcast home. Um, Thank you. Let's see. Uh, you can tweet at us at SchmannersCast, and you can email us if you have uh, like a topic suggestion or something you'd like us to talk about. SchmannersCast at gmail.com. Who else do we thank, Teresa? We always <laughs> thank Brent Bruntofloss Black for writing our theme music, which is available as a ringtone because it's a banger. <laughs> Where those are sold. Also, thank you to Kiwi, sorry, Bruja Betty Pinup Photography for the cover banner of our fan-run Facebook group, which is called Schmanners Fanners. You should join that if you're looking to give and get excellent advice from other Schmanners fans. Thank you to Kayla M. Wassel for our beautiful Twitter thumbnail art. And uh, if you're going to submit a topic submit it to our email, but we always ask for questions for our shows we do at home from the Twitter feed. So that's going to do it for us. Please join us again next time. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Manners, Schmanners. Get it? <laughs>